We are a people that, that, that to live by conviction. We have convictions, strongly held convictions, things that keep us when everything's swaying at us and pulling at us and saying, let's do this, let's go get two ice cream sundaes and eat both of them and say that we drove around the block to get the mail or whatever. You know, we, we are people of conviction. And I'm convinced more than ever that the Lord wants River Church, this church, to be a church where every one of us can pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is in James chapter 5. It says, any sick among you, let him call the elders of the church. And it says, and they will pray the prayer of faith, and, it, and the sick will be raised up. So that's who you are in the, in the legal sense. That's who you've got to put on your badge, and you've got to get strong. You may not need to be uh, pray the prayer of faith strong now. You do, but you may not think you are because the need of that just comes on you, just like comes on you. Uh, cancer and all those things just walk up to you and you can't say would you excuse me i'll be back in 22 or three days and and i'll be ready you got to be ready right then amen and so we are people that can pray the prayer of faith and that's what we're going to be working on so uh we are the church we're not in the entertainment business we are in the get strong business and i want to remind you that it's the message that we love and we don't care about the messenger so much we're not mad at the messenger and his life and his you know what he how he you know he sounds a little squeaky or you know i don't like his voice it's this we don't care we just want the message because the message makes us strong to in colossians chapter one we're going to start this morning we're still talking about the ever-increasing christian the ever-increasing christian and in colossians chapter one verse 16 we, we want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning. He is the total of our life. We have no life apart from Him. And it says in verse 16, uh, For by Him were all, things that, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The message translation, a little bit shorter, it says, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in Jesus and finds its purpose in him. Do not be weak. The way you be strong is you know this verse. He is, the, he is the rock. There is nothing in me, there's nothing in somebody else that can save me. It's him. Could I have a better amen? It's him. And we are, we are totally tempted to be drawn away from that very thing. It may seem like you're, you know, that you're drawn away and it's, it's money or it's power or it's somebody trying to, uh, you know, uh, put you down at work and make you look bad to the boss. All that's what it may look like, but the truth is it's trying to get our eyes off of Jesus, trying to separate us from him, and we're not falling for it. The truth is, is that growing up in the kingdom, Growing up in the kingdom, we're born again instantly, but we grow up in the kingdom, and it starts out with being born again. There's no good, unsaved people. They're just acting good enough to get by. 
we're born again, we're spirit-filled, and then the third thing is, is we're renewing our mind daily. Renewing our, you've never seen a strong Christian that didn't renew his mind. So our job now that we're born again, nothing, God's still working on me. No, he's not. You're still working on you. <laughs> God did his part, boom, regenerated, made into the image and likeness of God. But this, this thing between the ears, this eight pounds of stuff up here that's, uh, that's uh, holding you tight, it's got to be changed. It's, it's got to be transformed. And so we're transforming, we're, we're changing our mind, and that's how we're growing up. The term has come this year, this last year, uh, there's a new term that I, at least new to me called snowflake. Y'all know what a snowflake is? In the in the not in the tr not in the Colorado sense of snowflake, but in the sense of people that just are so sensitive and so um, uh, tender and and everything that they just can't take anything from anybody that uh, assaults their belief system or their entitlements. And I think it originally came out of college students that were just affronted by this candidacy of our now president and the, the things that were happening out there, and they were just offended, and they just couldn't go to class. And, and actually, they canceled classes and told people, you don't have to take your tests, you don't have to take classes, everything. The day of his election and the day after, people were unable to function. They, they labeled them snowflakes because they melt at the slightest provocation. Well, there's a lot of Christian snowflakes, and they're not strong. Now, they'll be in heaven with us, but I promise you they'll be at the back of the class. I don't know how far back that is, but I'd say probably a quarter mile, two miles. Uh, some of them I know are six miles back. You know, it depends on how many's in heaven, but they're in class back there, and I want to be up on the front row. Lord Jesus, be, I want to be strong. I want to be a strong Christian. And so growing up is dealing we're dealing. Every day we get up and we make priorities. We make choices. There's too much to do for everybody's day. You all agree with me there? You, you can't do everything you want to do. Well, I want to go to Birmingham. I want to go to Atlanta. I want to not go to work, but I want to get a paycheck. Well, you know, there's just too much. So every day we get up and we make our priorities. We, we set that day in order. And uh, every day we then are assaulted, as it were, with our choices, our priorities, between our senses and truth. Truth is that conviction inside of us that's, that's a stalwart, that's a rock, that's, that's unmovable. But then we got our senses dancing around all the time. The proverbial little devil on the shoulder and the angel on the shoulder, you know, that, that was always in the cartoons, you know. Do this, do this. No, be strong. Well, that's what's happening to all of us. Our senses are saying... You deserve, you deserve, you deserve more than you're getting. Let's take some liberty. And truth is saying, be strong, be steady, don't swerve, don't get off. So we are all dealing with making progress. At the end of the day, did we make progress? Did we grow? Did we renew our mind? Nothing you can do about the uh, new birth, nothing you can do about being spirit-filled, you are or you aren't but renewing our mind, making progress. The Bible talks about it. We talked about it a lot, about here a little, there a little bit. 
precept upon precept, line upon line, that every day we make a little progress. You can't just wait until the end of the week and say, I didn't do anything for God this week, so I'm going to do it all today. You have to do it a little bit every day, don't you? Every day you got to take something out that's against you and put something in that's for you. And then you start welding that little thing in and start making sure it can't get away from you and and that, that you're strong. And the cool thing about the kingdom of God, because it's so fair, the one thing I'm going to love about heaven as much as anything, besides seeing the Lord Jesus, is that heaven is fair. It's just. It, people can't lie about you, and you can't lie about It's just fair. Your stuff that you did bad, you know, you're going to have to get redemption for that and wash that away, but everything you did good, even though they said you didn't really do it, it's fair. I can, ha- I can handle it because of the blood. But what we're looking at here uh, is, is that you in the, in the kingdom can increase as fast as you want. You can't blame somebody. Well, I didn't get but a third grade education because my daddy died. And, you know, we lived out in the country, or I was abused, or I, we didn't have any money, or I didn't have but a, uh, you know, I didn't get to go to college. All the things that people say that they are set back because of, it's just not true. Faith is the great equalizer. You can get in faith about the Word of God, and God will promote you. The Word says in Peter, if you'll humble yourself, God will lift you up, raise you up. So there's no excuses. If you're not where you ought to be and you say, well, it's because of this and that, you're wrong. You can go as fast as you want to. These success stories that uh, even secular people, uh, people that didn't really know God that much, but they just had a, uh, I'd say Donald Trump might be one of them. He might not be a good example, depending on your your view of it. I'm not, I'm certainly not promoting him, but he he he's done well in some in some measures and but there's other people like Laterno RG Laterno just just worked and then gave God honor and and God just promoted him it's just it's just amazing if you would turn with me to John chapter 14 let's look in John just a minute i i'm endeavoring this morning this pulpit is to help us get strong John 14 so, so we, we have no excuses. If, you, if you're not in the place that God's called you to be, and you say, well, it's because my husband, he wouldn't go to church with me, or, you know, I, he wouldn't let me do this, or my wife, you know, she just wasn't interested in it. You could blame everybody. Could I have a better amen? You can blame everybody. There's always an old dog that you can pin something on and say, that's the reason I didn't get where I was wanted to be. But the truth is, there's no excuses because there's no limits in God. He's ordained us to be at a certain place, in a certain position, to be identified in a certain office in the kingdom. And uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't get born again until you were 40, it's not God's fault. I didn't get spirit-filled, didn't get the gift of the baptism of the Holy Ghost till I was 26. And it's the only time, I tell it, it's the only time I was kind of not happy with God. People said, I've been so mad at God. I've never been mad at God, except I was disappointed that I was 26 before I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Lord told me, was it 26? 25, something like that. I was late in life. 
I thought then, 26, I thought, oh, Lord, half my life is gone. It's, I'm just about done, and here I am just now getting started. And these Assembly of God kids, they've been, you know, talking in tongues since they were whatever. But the Lord told me, he said, I'll catch you up. And he did. You just got to gotta go there. And so uh, your increase, my progress, my stature, my place, is totally based on one thing, because God's already in. Did y'all know God's in? He's looking at Madison. He's looking at Pamela. He's looking at Eric. He's looking at us and says, I'm in. I'm not busy over there, and I'm not, you know, doing the mess around. I'm in. It's totally on us, our pursuit of truth. If you believe the lie that truth is hard and ugly and it's not doesn't pay very good though it you're going to be set back a long time you got to be a lover of truth if you want to grow up in god you got to be a lover of truth and it's the hardest thing and the easiest thing you've ever done before you became a tither tithing was the most ominous and intimidating and an impossible thing you could write books on why it could not happen under your present circumstances and that how numerically and just it couldn't happen. But after you know the truth and become reconciled to it and like in there, it's like we don't even notice it. It's like breathing. It's necessary and it's easy. And that's how it is. Truth is, seems so ominous. And yet it's so easy. It says, in, uh, we're looking at what, it's, what is truth. John chapter 14. What is truth? We looked at it last week. Verse 6. Let's read it together. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what he's saying is, is you can't come to the Father except by truth. He wasn't just saying Jesus, which is truth. But he's saying, you can't, you can't slip in with good works. You can't slip in with uh, false doctrine. There's just one way, truth. So Jesus is the truth. The word is truth. And there is no other truth. There's true things, like H2O is water. and st That's true things, but it's not the truth. It's a fact. Amen. And it also says in... Uh, in verse 16 right there, he goes on and he says, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, and he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So we know truth is the same as God. God is truth. Jesus is truth. Holy Spirit is truth. And so we're after truth. Truth never fails because God never fails, because Jesus never fails, because Holy Spirit never fails. So if you pursue truth, you're pursuing the Word. You're pursuing God. You're pursuing the kingdom. And if you pursue anything else, you are wasting your time. You're in a false pursuit. So that's why we put our measure. We put all our weight on the Word of God here and what the Holy Ghost says. Because that's truth, and it'll always win, and it'll always build you up and increase you and send you to where you're supposed to be in the kingdom, which is a place of peace, a place of security, a place of well-being. 
Nothing else. You can jack around with the with uh, with little little uh, dramas and little and mess with the gospel and say homosexuals are okay with God and you can say you can say all these things and and make it seem true. But if it's not the truth, it's not the truth. Even if you call it the truth and say well, it might be the truth, only the truth is the truth. Everything else is a lie. And we said last week that a half truth is, they say, is a whole lie. <laughs> and no compromise. You can't even say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 50% tithing or I'm 50% telling the truth. And so that's 50% true. No, it's all a lie. Amen. Now, I found a scripture, and I want you to turn it with, there with me. It's in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. And I'm going to tell you a statement here that's, uh, that might rock your world just a little bit. We're, we're here to rock. We're here to roll, but first we got to rock. And the, the rock is, is that you only love Jesus as much as you love truth, because Jesus is truth. Now, let me just tell you again, we talked about it last week. You can, you can be, you can dance before the Lord. Woohoo, I love you, Lord. And, you know, and just get lost in him. And we should. And it's right. But then if you leave that environment and go out and live a life of compromise, a life apart from the truth, and, but you say, but I love you, Jesus, and I worship you, and I sing, and I compose, and I, I lead people, I just praise and worship all the time, Woo-hoo-hoo. but you don't love truth, that is all in vain. That is not the measure of loving truth. Y'all stay with me. How much you love the word and truth is how much you love Jesus. Even though you may not be demonstrative, you may not lift your hands, you may not be one of those that dances and carries on and gets out there and can go long hours, you know, three and a half minutes and you're pretty much done. <laughs> hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo, okay, <laughs> I'm done. You go, well, they're not, they don't love God. Maybe not, but maybe that's not the measure. That's all I'm saying here is sometimes you get that scenario. Oh, they just love God. You love God to the measure that you love truth because God is truth. Very important. This will keep you to the end if you can keep that straight inside of you. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at this verse. Now this, this, this will rock you a little bit. It says, and with... It's talking about the end times here in Thessalonians. It says, and with all deceivableness, verse 10, 2.10. Now, have you ever heard this word? Did you, did you, was that on your spelling bee when you were in sixth grade? And with all deceivableness <laughs> of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not, say it with me, the love of the truth that they might be saved. Well, there's a new aspect of how you get born again is that you change in, uh, from, being, in, in your sin, uh, from being a sinner, from being unrighteous against God, the lawless one that we all were. Something comes in you. The word says that he draws us, that you have a love for the truth, that you get tired of the lie. So that means sinners know there's something in them that makes them know I'm living a lie. 
I'm in a struggle. It's not working out. I hate this strife. I hate this fear. I hate this, this lack. I hate this not having answers. And says they get to be where they, they start wanting or looking for the truth. And they begin to develop a love of the truth. If you want to grow up in God, here it is. You got to love the truth. You can't just tolerate it. Whatever, we're going to church, he's going to preach, he's going to rail and carry on, and, you know, they're going to talk about this and that, you know, whatever. But, you know, at 12, he'll let us out, and we can go do what we want to do. That's not loving the truth. And it's just, you know, tolerating it, putting up with it, enduring it is not going to make you a strong Christian. And to be a strong Christian, you got to ask God. You literally got to ask him, Lord, I need a love for the truth. You know, Dr. Cole always says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can salt his oats. And that's what we're doing here is we're salting oats. We're, we're, we're endeavoring to say, not just say, okay, we've got to preach to you because, and you've got to listen to it because it's just what God does in the church. It's like, no, I'm going to go get truth, and truth is going to promote me, increase me, defend me, pour blessings down on me. This truth is my life because truth, from, my, from truth will spring my life. You won't believe the lie. Every time I've been in trouble, and you know, been in trouble a few times over the years. Just made a wrong decision. You just just went the wrong way. It was because I was away from the truth. The truth will keep you. It says in 1 Peter, we won't go there, but 1 Peter 1.22 says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Where did I get that? 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Yeah, there it is. It was there all along. So there's a purifying of our souls in obeying the truth. Every time you just say, okay, God, I'm going to do it your way, it purifies your soul. It makes it easier to obey God the next time. But when you're like, I ain't doing that, I'm not, because we were all that way in the tithe, for example, just using that as an example, we all resisted the tithe. Nobody came up out of the baptism water saying, I don't think, whew, I want to give all my money to God. And I want to, I'm trying to go figure out how to give him more. It was a process, I think. It was for me anyway. Um, 1 John 3, 18 says, little children, let us not love, oh, this is so powerful. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue. How do we love? In deed and in truth. The Bible says, I didn't look it up, but it says somewhere in Proverbs, I believe, that a flatterer, hates you. But then it says in other places that if you tell somebody the truth, you've loved them. The Bible says, I know that if you discipline your child, if you don't discipline your child, you hate your child. If you don't minister the truth, if you don't confront the lie in your children, you hate your child because you're letting them go off in the lie. So this is pretty powerful stuff. This is headline stuff about how to live your life. It's not don't do this and wear your dress this long and don't put on this makeup and don't, you know, it's not that sort of stuff. If you love truth, then truth is inside. And then no matter what scenario you are confronted with, whether financial or marital or relational or job, then you'll go into truth and truth will set the standard and you'll know what to do. And it'll lead you out. 
So that's why we love truth. Because we cannot preach everything that you could come up against and say, here's how you do it when the boss says this. And here's what you say when your wife says this. And here's what you do when your kid won't, won't obey you and do what you, you can't do all that. So you just say, get truth, get understanding, and it'll give you the answer for what you need. In John 8, 31, I want to tell you this morning, there's a high cost to living and telling the truth. Say high cost. Let's say it again. High cost. There's a high cost to the truth. Until it gets in you, until it becomes part of you, it, there's a high cost. It's just easier, it seems, to live the lie or to live the compromise, as it were. That living the truth absolutely is too great a price to pay. Here... We looked at this last week. Here is a secular man, George Orwell, wrote 1984, among other books. So he's secular. He wrote this in 1948. He said this, During times of universal deceit, during times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Now, I would say right now, just sort of parlaying this to the election, that, um, and maybe not, but there's a lot of people that are not just really mad at the new president. They just think that he's not got the truth. And, and so they're just freaking out. You know, just because they're demonstrating and it seems like the whole country's mad doesn't mean that all those people in the heartland and in the country and everything, that they're not at home just because they're not demonstrating in the streets saying, yay, president, yay, America, that there's not more of them than there are in the street. Anyway, we'll go on from that. Hallelujah. During times of universal deceit, that would be the lie against the truth. I'm telling you, for years, I had people tell us when we were pastoring, don't talk in tongues on Sunday morning and those visitors will come back. Well, then you got to not talk in tongues on Wednesday. And then what if one of those new people show up at your prayer meeting or your, or your whatever, and then you slip out? When, when does it end? So you just have to say, what are you going to do? The lie against the truth. We've had people tell us, don't do the offering. Just don't talk about money. Don't deal with money. But I'm telling you, people deal with money. It's the hardest thing after marriage, and mar- it is the main attribute of failed marriages, is money. They don't know how to handle their money, but the Word does. The truth knows how to handle money. So we talk about what the Word says about money because we're not ashamed of the Word. The Word tells the truth. And if you don't like the truth, and that's on you, that's on me, but it's not going to help you to say, we don't know the truth, or we do know the truth, and we're not going to tell the truth because we don't offend you. You're already offended. People are already offended about God and money because they don't understand what it is. So um, the high cost of truth is that everything carnal, everything popular, everything convenient is on the line. Everything sensual, everything of pleasure, you got to give it up. Now, God will redeem you. say, well, i got to give up pleasure. That means i got to be a monk in a monastery, and, and, you know, I can't ever have candy again. I can't ever have 
coffee again. I got to just be austere and suffer. That's not what it says. You got to give up the pleasure in the world and God will exchange it for a pleasure from heaven that makes it sweet and makes it without guilt or condemnation. There's a pleasure from the kingdom that's far greater than the pleasure of this world. But you've got to walk away from the world's pleasure in order to exchange it for the, for the kingdom pleasure. I've been a Christian a long time, and the more I get the truth of him in me, that to give up the world and to embrace him, the more he fulfills me. The more I am satisfied versus people that just live in the world and they shun the things of God, they're not happy. They're not satisfied. They're not fulfilled. And yet, I gave up those things. Are y'all with me? Gave up those things, and they're still embracing them, thinking, oh, poor Christian, you had to give it all up for your kingdom, and we're over here rocking. We're rocking. We're just doing what we want to. We, they're not happy. And I am. And you are. John 8, 31. We're there, pretty much. I'm on a roll this morning, y'all. Jesus wants this thing to happen where we become lovers of truth. It's the only way we're going to uh, uh, succeed. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, so they weren't critics. He said, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and say it with me, and the truth shall make you free. We looked at that. He was saying, you'll be as free as I am. You know, the Lord Jesus was free. He said, if you'll know the truth, which is me, you'll be as free as I am. And it's not just that you have truth or truth. It's truth that you know. So you have to get truth of prayer inside of you. If you don't really believe in prayer, you don't really know about prayer. Oh, yeah, we just drone on. It doesn't do any good. We pray for the president. We pray for the nation. We pray for Tuscaloosa. We pray for one another. But it doesn't really change anything. If you believe that way, then you don't know the truth. And that truth is unable to minister to you and loose you and set you free. You're like, okay, I will pray. I need to pray. I'm indebted to pray. You're not free. But once you're like, woohoo, they got prayer on the calendar. We're going to come and pray, and we're going to all get set free. It's going to change my life. That's what happens. You go, I don't get it. That's not my experience. Well, you just don't know the truth about it. And there's a lot of things. You know, in marriage, there's a big thing in our nation, the world, about fidelity. You know, one man, one woman, and then even just staying there versus just uh, uh, shacking up and all that sort of stuff. But the truth is, staying married to one person is very liberating. Amen and amen. Now I want to talk about something else just for just a minute. Maybe two minutes. There's one, there's a difference then. I want to, I want to take this up a level. There's a difference or a change between loving the truth of the word and loving your own words, loving words of truth, your truth. To be free, you can't just, and it's a long ways, but you can't just say, whoo, I love the truth, I love the word, and then not love truth that comes out of your own mouth, your own word. Can we go, can we, can we go, can we get strong this morning and talk about how 
It's not just to say I'm a lover of God's word, but to be a lover of your own words as far as truth goes. Uh, Philemon chapter 1. Now Philemon is, I can't even tell you where to go to get there. I just thumbed through mine until I finally, it's after Titus, that doesn't help. It, it's right before Hebrews, that's it. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. Timothy, Titus, Philemon. It's just one page, you know, it's just 25 little verses. But it, there's a verse in Philemon. Paul wrote to his servant, his son in the faith, Philemon, and he said in verse 6, he gave us wisdom about the kingdom. He said, he talks to him and he says, and Philemon, the communication of thy faith may become effectual. So he's talking about how do you, Philemon, I'm going to tell you how to make your faith powerful. That the communication or the, the, the transfer, the release of your faith becomes effectual. How, Tim, how, Paul, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So there's got to be a review of what God has done. You can't just say, I'm in faith because of the future. One, and and that's, in, that's optimism. You have to review the testimonies of everything that's in me. Sometimes you got to go back and say, okay, self, you are a child of God. You are, you are made righteous in him. you got, you got to talk to yourself because the devil's saying you're a worm and that what you just did will take weeks, if not months, to reconcile and get you back to where you were yesterday. you got to reconcile and say, no, I repented of that. I got the blood of Jesus on that. I agreed with God about it, and he forgave me, and I'm released, and now it's as if that sin never happened. you got to talk that. you gotta, you got to get that out and let your consciousness, your mind, know this is truth. I feel terrible. Y'all know how it feels to mess up, especially if you mess up with somebody else. You said something, and it's like, what? And you go home, and your wife says, what was that? What did you say? Do you know what you said? I didn't say anything. And then she tells you what you said, and I said, yeah, that's good. Well, this is what they were thinking when you said it. And you go, oh, and you start melting like a, like a Hershey kiss into the, in the oven, just like, oh, it's over. You got to recover from that. You got to recover from that. You got to you got to get that guilt and that condemnation, that separation from God. You got to get it off. You got to get it out. You got to be restored now. And so Paul tells Philemon, he says, the communication of your fa your faith becomes effectual, becomes how you're going to move the mountain is by rehearsing every good thing that's in you by Christ Jesus. So we have to talk to ourselves. So if you go to church where they're wailing on you, you sorry, no good, you sinner, you worm, you are a sinner and you are just saved by grace, but the grace is over and now you're just a sinner. If you go to church and hear that, you walk out and you are under the bus. We're going to live above if we're going to live strong. No more hypocrisy in our lives. We're going to be strong and that means no more hypocrisy. By grace am I saved through faith, and that not of myself, it's the gift of God. But I'm going to love truth in me. I'm not just going to wag this thing around and say, you know, I, I love the Word. I love, I'm on fire for God. I love the Word. I'm going to deal with the truth in my own life. 
I'm preaching to me this morning. You can listen or not. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you no more hypocrisy. No more saying one thing, but living and believing another thing. No more pretending. No more pretending. Oh, I'm hot for God. I can cast out devils. But I hate prayer. I hate to go to church. I hate to, I hate to give. I hate everything about it. But oh, I can cast devils out. You know, there's some pretending there. There's a mask there. Okay, let's go back to 10 minutes ago when I said, y'all want to go there? And y'all said, yeah, I want to go there. Let's go back there. No more counterfeits. We love the truth. We love the truth of the word, but we love the truth in us. And when we find something that's not in the light, we don't just say, you know, we got to cover up that thing. No, we say, i got to get that in the light. Come on, y'all. Because you cannot go to prayer, healing, prayer and healing uh, class uh, center and say, we're going to take care of the cancer devil, but live a lie inside of your life that says, I, I, I don't care anything about this. It can't just be for show, can it? It has to be inside. No more half-truth talking. No more minimizing sin in our life. No more uh, uh, exaggerating ourselves. I'm pretty sharp. I'm pretty special. In me, in me. And Jesus is good too. No, we're, we're going to live and love the truth. If you're a lover of truth, you don't just love God's word. You love to be confronted by truth so you can deal with everything that's not truth. Let me go back to that scripture. It says, they receive not the love of the truth. you got to love truth. Not just God's word's truth, which is kind of kind of out there. It's kind of a fog or something. You can walk through a cloud of it. But when it comes like a hammer into our own lives, we get mad sometimes at the messenger. Who does he think he is saying this? Well, we just love truth, and the messenger is irrelevant. It's that the truth came, and we like the truth. Point yourself and say, I love the truth. Amen. No more lip-syncing the world. You know what that means? That just means that uh, we're, we're not really saying it, but, but we're, our whole lives reflect it just like we're saying it. We're living like it, even though we're not really in that. Colossians 1.27, last, I think it's the last scripture. Yep, aren't y'all glad? That's the last, this is the last scripture, Colossians. Amen, more truth. Yeah, we, we could, Garland wants to go to 3 o'clock, but I'm turning him down. <laughs> no, Garland, no. Colossians 1.27 says, this is good. We love the truth. It says, to whom God would make known. Well, i got to go back up verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. What is the mystery that God has hid from ages and generations? It says, but now is made manifest to his saints. So God is going to tell us something here through Paul to the church at Colossae. He's going to tell us something that's been hidden, and it's the mystery. The Jews never knew it. They never heard of this. What is it? Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. No longer is he at the mountain. No longer is he in the, in the sky. 
No longer is he in the trouble. Oh, God, you know, that was an act of God over there, that tornado that took out four in Mississippi. You know, that, that's what they say. The insurance will say, no, Christ in you. And then it says he's the hope of glory inside of us. Now, he's shining a bright light. If there's truth anywhere, it's going to be where Jesus is inside of us. He is inspecting us for truth. So what if we only progressed in our life when we acted on truth? What if every time we put forth a, a, a half-truth or a compromise or a counterfeit or put on the mask and said something that wasn't true, even though religiously speaking it looked like truth, what if we could not progress at all when we did that? We could only grow when we acted on truth. Well, guess what? That's exactly what's happened. Oh, yes, amen, brother. Preach it, bring it, bring it, yeah. But don't talk to me and don't touch me because I'm, I'm comfortable in my half-truth. So I say we're going to quit hedging the truth about who we are and the call of God on our life. We're going to quit hedging. We're called to be uh, uh, strong in him and the power of his might. We're called. That's who we are. We are the righteousness of God. No more shrinking, no more cowering, no more hiding in the shadows saying, well, it's just little old me. We are in him. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's in me, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No more lying and pretending about our first love. Oh, just love you, Jesus, and then go out and live like the devil. Just, whoo, I love you, Lord, in praise and worship. Love you, Lord, oh, yeah. And then just go out and have all kinds of things in our life. I'm not talking to you individually, of course. If there was 300 people here, you wouldn't take it personal at all. Because you'd go, well, he's talking to those people over there. I know them. They need this. You know, and when you're in a smaller congregation, you go, well, what's he talking about to me for? Don't take it personal. I'm talking to me this morning. I'm telling myself, no more pretending about the first love. No more saying, Jesus, you're my first love. You know, Revelation, it talks about you left your first love. You're in the world now. You've left your first love, and you're in the world now. No more denying the truth and acting lukewarm. No more lukewarm. We're not going to let you say, I'm lukewarm, but I love the truth. i got to move along. Eric, would you go start the car, please? That's what Joe Morris would say. No more distractions and a sense of urgency-lessness. It's urgent. 2017, the kingdom is urgent. Even though there's no one coming in, the general superintendent of, the, of, of heaven, the angel's not walking in and saying, it is urgent. We'd all go, Ooh, we better get on it then. It's just little old me. It's just little old me, and you can blow me off and live your life. But I'm telling you, as an angel or as a steward or as a, I'm not, but I'm just saying, it's urgent that we kick off the muddy boots, so that we can run. No, we're going to quit being distracted. We're going to quit substituting knowledge and experience. This is really big among old-time Christians. Quit substituting knowledge and experience for being lovers of truth. Listen, when you've sat in a church for 30 or 40 years or 20 years, you get to thinking, like the, the deacon that was in our First Baptist Church in Seagraves, he said, I've been doing, I've been deacon a lot of years. It's time for these young bucks to do something. Well, he didn't do anything after that. 
It was the life, life of, lifeline of his life to be back there deaconing. Are y'all here? You cannot say, I was, therefore I am. And lastly, you cannot pretend. We're going to quit pretending that we have authority over devils and live and not have authority over our own selves. If we cannot get ourselves to get up and go to church, we certainly cannot take authority over devils. If we can't change our mind about what we read or look at, if we cannot jar ourselves and say, what are you doing? Quit that now, which is what we do to a young child. Then we cannot say, but I come to the healing center and I cast out every devil and I meet them on the street and alcoholics and druggers and I... You cannot say that. You do have authority, and it is irregardless, but there is a, there's an impairment in our confidence to go after it when we know our own life, that we're not living and reflecting the progressive truth. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It just means that we have to make progress every day. We're taking new ground. It's not a standard we reach and say, I made it, I'm good. It's every day we make cross progress. Now, when I moved to Alabama, I heard this statement. I'd never heard it because we didn't fish much in, in Texas. But the statement is fish or cut bait. And you go, what does that mean? Well, it just means it means this. I figured it out. It means some people are always putting off going to the job because they're always getting ready for the job. I've been there before where you get, well, we're not quite ready yet. We'll do it next year. We're going to cut some more bait so that when we do go fishing, whoo, we are going to be big fishermen. No, take your two little, your two little minnows and get out on the dock and go catch something. It's time to fish instead of getting ready to fish. Yeah, we could get more spiritual here, and we will, but we're going to go into the harvest now who we are, and what we are right now. No more. No more. I'm too tired or too busy to do the truth. No more. Uh, uh, I can't pray because I just don't pray as good as Miss Debbie. She can rock it. She can. But she's got to improve, too. She's got to increase, too. So, you know, just get in here and pray with her or, or get, get somewhere else. And if you don't like the way she prays, just... But it's, it's really childish to say I can't pray because I don't like the way somebody else are y'all getting this it's the point is is that we're going to grow up and we're going to do something because the time is urgent I'm going to go back to that scripture that says they receive not the love of the truth I love it when they get into these courtroom scenarios and they say would you raise your right hand sir put your left hand on the bible do you solemnly swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Let's all just say that in our own hearts. I, I'm going to swear. I mean, if you do it in a courtroom, you ought to be able to do it in church. I, I promise then, if you don't like that word, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me. That means God helping me. Can we do that? I'm changing this morning. I'm changing. I will not be a better person tomorrow than I am today. Don't look at me next week and say, you look very familiar. I don't think you change much. But it all starts in here. It starts in here, the want to. I'm in pursuit of truth about my own life. I'm already sold out to this, y'all. If it says that you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover, you will recover. 
I'm laying my hands on you and it, there is a change. Well, nothing changed. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Well, I brought my tithe in. I brought my offering in. Nothing changed. Yes, it did. You didn't, you didn't go. You didn't lose everything and get swindled by your brother-in-law last year because you, what you did, it did change things. Last Sunday morning, Miss, Miss, uh, Miss uh, Kathleen's legs, that, that left leg jumped out. We saw a demonstration. We, she had a short leg, just, just a little bit. And so uh, Anita came over there, and before Anita could even actually say in the name of Jesus, this is Anita's words, she said, it jumped out. And that, uh, that leg jumped out. And I looked at Kathleen and said, did you feel that? She said, I sure did. So here's the point. If our words and our faith can make something happen that we can see, is it any different if we speak to something and address something that we cannot verify, did it not happen because we couldn't see it? If we tell cancer to go, does it have the option because we can't prove it or see it then? I say it doesn't. I say our words are powerful if you can see it happen and get verified or if you can't. So I believe the truth of the word. I believe it says we'll cast out devils. I believe the word that says, I believe the word. But now I got to work on me. I got to have an accountability on me that says, are you reflecting someone that believes the word? Because if you believe the word about being born again and going to heaven, do you believe the word about yourself? And I said, I'm going to change my life. Would you change your life with me this morning because of Jesus? Doesn't mean we're going to have a report card next week and give you a, a did not improve. Did you ever have a, in on your report card a, a, a DNI? I did. <laughs> did not improve. <laughs> last week, last six weeks it was this, but this week it was DNI. I'm not going to have any more DNIs on my report card, but we're not going to check you next week. We're not going to say, you know, Lisa, what's up, girl? We, you, you look just like you did last week. No, this is inside. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive correction today. If there's any needed, Lord, we, we let you examine our heart because we want to be pleasing. We want to be pleasing to you. And, Lord, we want to be used by God. We don't want to just sit here and go to church and, and endure. We want to be used by you in these last days. So, Lord, we open our hearts, all of us. Y'all say amen. We open our hearts and say, come in and shine the light of truth. And Lord, wherever we see that a change must happen, up front, before you even come, we agree in advance, we will change. We will use the power of Holy Spirit in our lives to sanctify and change and transform our lives. Thank you for loving us enough to discipline us, to chasten us, to correct us, to, to move us forward, and I receive a new love of the truth in my heart. Lord, I ask you for a love of the truth in my heart. I ask you, Lord, to give me, to give me a love for the truth. I've never asked for that, Lord. I ask you to give us a love for the truth. We'll discern it, we'll understand it, and then we'll have more truth because we love the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's what happened just then. It happened.